0: G'day, g'day,
1: how you going, what do you know, we'll strike a light.
0: G'day, g'day,
1: and how you going, just say g'day, 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 and you'll be right. You were way off beat then, Ted. Well,
0: bloody hell, Marie, with the pitch of it, that's at least me worries, eh? Oh, sorry there, Cobber. G'day. Just got back from the Australian Centenary Medal and member of the Order of Australia Service Medal Ceremonies. No biggie, eh? Tell you what, though. Had to fight off a few spiders and brim snakes on the way home. Bloody no good blighters. Cheers for tuning into the podcast, you galah. Now, put a gawk in it, mate. The episode's about to start. Hi everyone, and welcome yet again to another episode of Wilfrid, what I've learned from reading and educational discourse. Thanks so much for joining me yet again for our sixth episode. Simon Sinek is a British-born American author and inspirational speaker. Described as an unshakable optimist, he is the author of five books, including Start With Why, which was released in 2009 and is today's book in focus. What follows is a summary of what I've learned from reading Start With Why. Once again, it was difficult to summarize the notes I'd taken throughout this process. I would very much recommend buying a copy yourself for this reason. The descriptions and explanations of ideas which resonated with me most strongly have been grouped into three main topics of my choosing. These include why, how, what, trust and loyalty, and think, act, lead. You will notice that I use direct quotes, building on these using my own experiences or giving my own interpretations. I will also note, that the direct quotes I provide remain the property of the author and I do not claim ownership of any of their writings or ideas. In the past, Simon has shared a story in which he had a conversation with his friend who is within the Special Forces. Basically, Simon wanted to quit writing his book, as it was too hard. I'll paraphrase slightly, but his friend said something along the lines of, this is what you signed up for, you have no choice, and I will be here with you. No matter what, you can call me at any time, I have your back. How else can you support your friend? Well, Sinek also stated in an interview, Listening is not hearing the words that are spoken. Listening is not being able to parrot something back. Listening is listening for meaning. The test of being a good listener is if the person feels heard. If you remember, I have talked about this in a previous episode of the podcast. He's describing active listening here. It shows the other person that you're invested in what they are saying. Myself, my brain is very solutions-based which has gotten me into trouble numerous times with my wife. Sometimes people, especially women, in my experience, just want you to listen, not provide solutions. I am saying this for you, as well as myself, in equal measure. And before we start, for the love of good gravy, I'm not trying to mansplain, I'm just sharing my experience, alright? Sometimes, for a person to find themselves, they just need one person to be there for them. They need to know it for certain. When they do... They will have the foundation to work on and better themselves, professionally, spiritually, financially, in all aspects of their lives. So, why not simply reach out and let your family member or friend know that you're there for them? It may be all they need to hear. In another panel presentation, Cynic stated, We have to stop thinking about business like a race or a game, and start thinking of it like a lifestyle. This quote relates mostly to the book of the week, as it has a strong focus on the reasons for success or failure of businesses. His golden child from within its pages is that of the golden circle, which will be explained in the first part of this video. Without any further ado, let's jump into the content. Gotcha. Let's go. Well, green, is that how you do it? Yeah, mate, thanks for that. That's perfect. Cheers. Part one. Why, how, what? The golden circle. What is the golden circle? The Golden Circle is a diagram which provides a paradigm-shifting viewpoint on the principles of success in business. This theory was popularized in Simon's 2006 TED Talk, which has been refined in the years since. Unfortunately, I can't show you a diagram of the Golden Circle, but it's easy to describe and visualize. First, imagine three circles, different in size, each one enveloping the other, like a target. Here are its levels. First, why? Why is the center of the circle. The why is your purpose, cause, or belief. The why exists in the part of the brain that controls feelings and decision making, but not language. This is why the why is sometimes hard to put into words. Feelings are hard to explain. Just ask your friend why they are friends with you and see what I mean. The second circle is how. This is the second from the center and second from the outside. The hows explain how something is different or better. Third and last is what. What is the outer section of the circle. The what's describe the products or services a company sells or the job or function they have. What's are easy to identify. The what's exist in the part of the brain that controls rational thought and language. Quote, when why, how, and what are in balance, authenticity is achieved, and the buyer feels fulfilled. If the levels of the golden circle are in balance, all those who share the organization's view of the world will be drawn to it and its products like a moth to a light bulb. It's important to remember that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. If you own or run a business, this is the most significant point from the book, certainly the most prevalent. I spoke on this during the third episode of Wilfred. If people are going to buy your product, they need to understand why you are providing it, what's your motivation, What's your cause and what do you believe? All are equally important and essential for success in business, whether you are providing a good or service. Sinek states, the questions must be asked, why did we start doing what we're doing in the first place? And, what can we do to bring our cause to life, considering all the technologies and market opportunities available today? People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. A failure to communicate why creates nothing but stress or doubt. In his books, Simon consistently uses Apple as an example of a company with a strong sense of why. In their first years of inception, Apple were a statement, a word of defiance against the status quo. Needless to say, they are no longer. But their strong sense of why has adapted in their years of success, but never faltered, which is exactly why they are now a $2 trillion company. Basically, you cannot and will not achieve this level of success without a strong sense of why you are doing it, as this trickles down the hierarchy of leadership, all the way down to your bottom level, the people who do most of the work. Snex states, Great leaders are those who trust their gut. They are those who understand the art before the science. They win hearts before minds. They are the ones who start with why. As for why consumers buy certain products, he writes, Products with a clear sense of why give people a way to tell the outside world who they are, and what they believe. Next, I ask you, what's another key component of success in business? Cobra!
1: Oh, it's Cobra. Oh, of course. Look, they have the pictures of the snakes on
0: their planes. Duke, what have I been saying for years? What makes a good terrorist organization? Brand recognition. Brand recognition. Yep, that's exactly right. Brand recognition. And how do we recognize brands and labels? Yep, you got it. Logos. However, in the case of a successful company, for example, such as Apple, they should be referred to as symbols. But Grant, aren't logos and symbols the same thing? Nope. In Apple's case, their beautiful, glowing, half-eaten Apple logo should primarily be referred to as a symbol instead. And here's why. Simon states, A symbol cannot have any deep meaning until we know why it exists in terms bigger than simply to identify the company. Without clarity of why, a logo is just a logo. For a logo to become a symbol, people must be inspired to use that logo to say something about who they are. Have you ever seen a hipster, budding writer, working on their screenplay in a public cafe, sipping on their peppermint iced latte on almond, tippity-tip-tap-tapping on their Apple laptop, a symbol of which is lazily gleaming in the dark orange glow cast from the downlighting above? Painting a picture for you, aren't I? Decent writing compared to the usual, huh? I'm using imagery. Anyway, to such people, this glowing half-eaten apple means a lot more than a logo on their laptop. It's actually part of their identity, even if they realise it or not, as the brand speaks of them on a deeper level than the tactile feel of the keys under their fingertips. They may tell you that they love their laptop. A non-Applehead sounds like a Rocco's Modern Life character. May ask, Why? The Dell doting demon might ask such questions like, Do you like the lack of performance per dollar? Just kidding, but kind of not. Do you like the better battery life compared to Windows laptops? No? Okay, uh, do you like the build quality of the chic silver aluminium gloss? No? Hmm. I'm about to get all Dr. Seuss on ya. Chances are they'll um and ah and get frustrated the fact that they can't explain it to ya but anyway, Simon puts it quite simply, writing, When people describe the value they perceive with visceral, excited words like love, that is a sure sign that a clear sense of why exists. Finding why is a process of discovery, not invention. All organisations start with why, but only the great ones keep their why clear year after year. I oh, was a little bit Dr. Susie too. <laughs> anyway, it should now be clear that Apple found their why early. And this hasn't faltered over the many years since their establishment. Simply attempting to source and replicate their why won't work either. It's theirs. Your why needs to be unique in your passion, plan, and desire to change the world through your business. Once this has been achieved, you best ensure that your leadership and workers share your vision. If they don't, you're doomed for mediocrity.
1: Oh, boys, fair dinkum. Already time for smoke, eh? Righto. No whackers, mate. Why don't you go down and grab us meat pie and we'll have a Nash, eh? Oi, Shano, speaking of meat pie, did you catch a glance at that look of Steve O brought home from the pub last night? <laughs> I tell you what, I reckon if you drop that pie, their face might match. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was his sister, mate. Oh, yeah, right. Hey, Stevo, do you want my tomato sauce there, mate? Or what can I do for you? Oh, oh. Or you want a, you want an energy drink? You want to eat? Yeah, smoke, nah, right. Yep, just let me know if you need something, right.
0: Part two. Trust and loyalty. Trust is not a checklist. Fulfilling all your responsibilities does not create trust. Trust is a feeling, not a rational experience. Merriam Webster defined trust as assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of something or someone. And loyalty as Faithfulness to a cause, ideal, custom, institution, or product. How are these values placed? Well, not easy in today's society. Simon claims, There are many ways to motivate people to do things, but loyalty comes from the ability to inspire people. Only when the why is clear and when people believe what you believe can a true, loyal relationship develop. When we are selective about doing business only with those who believe in our why, trust emerges. I'll tell you one thing. This book almost made me throw up. I'll tell you why in a story from my past. A long time ago, in a forgotten time, I was once an HSE student, which, for those of you outside of Australia, is the higher school certificate, the highest level of school before university within Australia. Anyways, one word triggers my automatic gag reflex, and it ain't mudbone. That word may trigger you as well if you graduated in 2009. The word belonging. <laughs> See? See? I've gone and done it again. It's going to be said it a few times in this part, so a late trigger warning. From here, I let it out the upchucks, but my pain will remain. Prayers for Grant 2023. Oof, tangents, eh? Dark memories from a dark time. Anyway, right. Simon says when we feel like we belong, we feel connected and we feel safe. As humans, we crave the feeling and we seek it out. Our desire to feel like we belong is so powerful that we'll go to great lengths, do irrational things and often spend money to get that feeling. A natural need to belong also makes us good at spotting things that don't belong. It's a sense we get, a feeling. Like the sense of why, a sense of belonging cannot be replicated, faked, or forced. It's either blatantly obvious, or painfully evident. People are smarter than our little lizard brains can ascertain sometimes. So even though we may think we're hiding our true feelings, chances are that the person knows that they don't belong and they're struggling emotionally as a result. Or, if they're your subordinate, I can almost guarantee, not only are they not working their ass off for you, they'd be slacking, lacking, and booty smacking instead. So, maybe be a nicer boss, yeah? It's for this reason that Simon shares a quote from the mind of Herb Kelleher, the founder and longtime CEO of the successful company, Southwest Airlines. It is a company's responsibility to look after their employees first, Happy employees ensure happy customers, and happy customers ensure happy shareholders, in that order. Simon states further: when employees belong, they will guarantee your success. It must also be understood that Kelher did not co-found this company with greed as his motivation. Southwest Airlines was founded with the aim of 1. lowering the cost of air travel for the everyday man or woman, and 2. Pairing strong customer service with an unwavering focus on putting the needs of his employees first. Simon writes, Trust begins to emerge when we have a sense that another person or organisation is driven by things other than their own self gain. Great organisations become great because the other people inside the organisation feel protected. Only with mutual trust can an organisation become great. At the end of the day, when it comes to leadership, as Simon writes, There are only two ways to influence human behaviour. You can manipulate it, or you can inspire it. In the next chapter, we will focus on the right stuff in leadership. In other words, what makes great leaders great? There are three key words I will focus on in this part that of think, act, and lead. Reason being, I believe if a leader is to be effective in their efforts, they must first think, then act by either putting themselves in the subordinate's shoes, in other words, What I do, what I'm asking of them myself. And lastly, lead. Not only instruct and be authoritative, but lead by demonstrating their why. This will allow the leader to be seen as charismatic in their role, not simply energetic. As Sinek confirms, Charisma has nothing to do with energy. It comes from clarity of why. Energy can excite, but only charisma can inspire. Charisma commands loyalty. Energy does not. Ah, jeez, I can't believe I'm actually discussing riz. (laughs) Simon states, Energy is easy to see, easy to measure out, and easy to copy. Charisma is hard to define. Nearly impossible to measure and too elusive to copy. Energy excites. Charisma inspires. As an analogy, you could compare energy and charisma to that of combustible versus natural. An engine can only run so long on a tank of gas but a flowing river can provide hydroelectric energy indefinitely. Likewise, with a flashy suit, a belly full of caffeine, or something more potent, if you get what I mean, a nice, fresh, white, teethy smile, and a nice-sounding voice, a person could basically sell ice to a polar bear. But take that smooth-talking salesperson to the office, surround them with their peers or shareholders, let the stimulants wear off, and see what happens. All of a sudden, people start to smell something. And it ain't peachy, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, good day again, Cobber. Thought you might need to wet your whistle before I take off like a brown snake down a rabbit hole in the next part. Why don't you go fix yourself up a cup of joe and a couple of Arnott's bickies while I warm up the old tonsils, eh? <coughs> go on then. On your bike, mate. What? You're back? Bloody hell, mate. You're fasting your wife to the kino on a Friday after knock-off. <laughs> Righto, mate. Last bit. On our bike, let's go. Part three. Think, act, lead. All the inspiring leaders and companies, regardless of size and industry, think, act, and communicate exactly alike. And it's the complete opposite of everyone else. Usually, I'd make a point here to first lead into my next point, but luckily for me, Simon sums up the chapter pretty well with one short and sweet quote. Leading is not the same as being a leader. Leading means that others will willingly follow you, not because they have to, not because they are paid to, but because they want to. Think about your current job. I would hope that since you know it's your job, that you're receiving monetary compensation for your time. Otherwise, you're a volunteer, but I digress. Now, I want you to answer this question truthfully, unless your boss may be listening, of course. Is this person simply your boss or a leader? Additionally, would you still enjoy or at least be willing to work for them for half-pay due to understanding and aligning yourself with their vision? Simon writes, Great leadership is not about flexing and intimidation. Great leaders embody a sense of purpose that inspires those around them. We are drawn to leaders and organizations that are good at communicating what they believe. Asking yourself if you would accept half-pay in your current role is the easiest method to ascertain whether your boss is indeed a leader or simply leading. I'm sure most of you, me included, would not enjoy a 50% pay cut, but I guarantee that there would be some people out there that would deal with the loss due to being passionate about what their leader is striving to achieve, due to sharing their why. Quote, To lead requires those who willingly follow. It requires those who believe in something bigger than a single issue. I've said before that you can't force motivation. Most of you will already know that self-motivation or intrinsic motivation, motivation birth from within ourselves, is the most powerful. I'll explain in future episodes that reward-based systems in pushing performance and KPIs does not work. It is ineffective. It's short-sighted and it's based on what's. So next states, it's hard to lead when those whom you are supposed to be leading are not inclined to follow. What may be easier than trying to force employees to be motivated and share your vision? It's simple. Hiring the people with the right stuff in the first place. Quote, what all great leaders have in common is the ability to find good fits to join their organizations, those who believe what they believe. Quote the second, Average companies give their people something to work on. In contrast, the most innovative organizations give their people something to work toward. The role of the leader is to not come up with all the great ideas. The role of the leader is to create an environment in which great ideas can happen. At the end of the day, if a person in leadership fosters an environment in which people are told, just do your job, that's exactly what their employees will do. This will foster an environment in which workers will retort with, that's not my job, or I go on break in 10 minutes, can't you get Jeffrey to do it? Quote, if the people inside a company are told to come to work and just do their job, That's all they will do. If you want your employees to arrive at work motivated, hungry, passionate, driven, optimistic, and share your vision, then you should 1. Create an environment in which your employees or subordinates both understand and share your sense of why. If you don't have a why, perhaps that is a good place to start. 2. Restructure your employment process to screen for those who share your thought process, morals, ethics, and values as well as allowing them to demonstrate their capacity of trust, loyalty, and respect. If you can achieve these two aims, you will have no cause to force any employee to achieve their KPIs. You will not need to impose motivation on any employee with forms of extrinsic motivation, which is short-sighted and bears no positive outcomes in the long term. Or, even worse, threaten your staff with being fired, loss of income, reduced hours, or other forms of negative reinforcement. Your workplace will then be built upon the solid foundation of a shared sense of purpose, a clear feeling of camaraderie, and a deep impression of belonging. Simon writes, Great organizations don't just drive profits, they lead people, and they change the course of industries and sometimes our lives in the process. Look after people, and people will look after you. That's it for this episode of Wilfred. What I learned from reading Start With Why by Simon Sinek, an educational discourse. For any new listeners, I read and highlight a particular book, write a script, record, edit and release each episode of Wilfred all within a week. As such, if you could please rate 5 stars and follow the pod, that would be much appreciated. Wherever you choose to consume this content, on Spotify or elsewhere, thanks so much for the support. I hope this is extended to my next episode. Before I end the podcast today, I wanted to mention something I removed from the top of the pod. I'm trying to avoid getting all preachy, but I will say this. If you have started chasing something, maybe YouTube, photography, or even your own podcast like me, and it hasn't yet gained traction, or if some people in your life haven't yet reached out in support, please don't stop for that reason alone. Remember that every successful person, business, or company started out in the same position you and I are in, and look where they are now. Sure, this endeavor, mine included, may not pan out exactly how we want but it most definitely, most certainly, absolutely won't if we don't give it the chance to. The horse can't win the race if you don't run it, and if he's gnashing on hay in the stables. Also, for the love of good gravy, I believe in you, and hopefully that's enough to keep you going. Remember the quote from this book, When you compete against everyone else, no one wants to help you, but when you compete against yourself, everyone wants to help you. This sums up my point nicely. Compete against yourself in your endeavour. Set specific goals, following the smart plan I spoke to in episode 1, and follow your systems to achieve them. When people can understand your vision and irrefutably see your passion, the numbers will reflect it. Until that time, do it for yourself, and for the few people who love you enough to support you no matter what. Quote, Everything you say and everything you do has to prove what you believe. Fair dinkum, mate. That episode was deeper than a kangaroo's pouch. Ah, well... The boys have knocked off early and I'm in the pub waiting to see if I get served more than a beer. You know, because of what I said to Steve-O. She'll be right though, mate. I've got a few prawns fresh off the barbie and an ice-cold Foster's on the way. right That's all I've got for ya, Cobber. Good on ya. Thanks for tuning in to another Ripper episode of Wilfred. It was an absolute gawker.
1: Uh, yep. Uh, Alright, better get back to the boys. Alright. Oi, your bludger. Where's that frothy, mate? Nah, nah, big fella. You're telling porkies. It's your shout. Nah, nah, mate. Stop telling furfies. You know what it is. Oh, shit, Grant. Sorry, mate. You're trying to wrap off the podcast, are you? Well, bloody hell. Right, no worries. Yep, yep. I'll oh, shut up. Yep, well, I'll get back to the boys. Right, Yep, I'll see you later. Oh, what? What? You say something? No. Oh, yep. Oh, all right, see ya. Oh, shit, Grant. You know what? Yeah, I forgot one thing. All right, i I'll come back. Alright, yep, alright. Wait, I take a breath. Alright, yeah, I'm good. Alright. Until then, have a belt. No,
0: it's it's stay driven.
1: Nah no, mate, I walk in. Right, yeah. Right over, see ya. Have a good one, mate.
0: Oh, never mind.
1: Pretty sure our washing machine is pregnant. I don't even know how that's scientifically possible. Uh, life, uh, 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 finds a way.